Lord be with you. Let us pray. Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with our most gracious favor and further us with thy continual help that in all the works begun, continued, and ended in thee we may glorify thy holy name and finally by thy mercy obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Might get you to go ahead and close that door if you don't mind there a little bit. So. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to read from Luke's Gospel from the 19th chapter, first verse through 10. This is a story that you're familiar with, I am sure. Uh, my my, my uh, uh, Andrew, I thought, just, just did a, a, an excellent job of really uh, uh, grasping what this, this whole idea of sainthood is and the fact that, that that song, Everybody Loves It, does miss the point. I mean, come on. Uh, it, you know, God helped me to be one too. Uh, it, it, that, that's not how it works, but it's a good song. And if I tried to skip that song, they would chase me out of Birmingham, and I know they would. So, I, 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 in fact, I brought it up my first year here, and Stephen Schaefer was still here, and he says, "Uh-uh, you don't want to, you don't even want to touch it." So, so I, we, we, we didn't. So, uh, but we didn't. But I can tell you, Zacchaeus didn't mean to be one too. Uh, let's put it that way: being a, a saint, a child of God, being a Christian. Being a follower of Jesus of Nazareth was the furthest thing from Zacchaeus' mind. I mean, he, uh, Jesus just looks up to him. He's up there on a tree, and he looks at him and says, Come down. You're going to be a saint. This is, in essence, that's what the story uh, uh, basically says. Now, I say, as, I, as I wrote in the adventure, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Does that bother anybody as much as it bothers me? Okay. That there are two primary misconceptions uh, about the saints. Uh, and one of them, there are several, but one is that all the saints or most of the saints are famous, uh, and certainly uh, a lot of them are. A lot of them have a place in our liturgical calendar. That means, you know, every if you, if you go to buy a book called Lesser Feast and Fast, you can turn to any, any 365 days, and there's, a, there's a, a, a saint that's attached to that particular day. And in certain, in certain liturgical uh, traditions, we set aside that day, and you have a, a, a special Eucharist for him. Uh, we don't, we don't do that here, but some churches do. More the Anglo Catholics have a, have a, 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 a mass, as they call it, but they have a Holy Communion, uh, and and one of the patron saints is lifted up in their prayers. For instance, most recently we've had Thomas Cranmer, Thomas Aquinas, Saint Augustine, John Donne is one of our. Anglican saints, St. Athanasius, the guy who uh, really gave us the essence of what we now have in the Nicene Creed. Uh, William White, the first presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Uh, William Hooker, the great Anglican. In fact, today, November the 3rd, is William Hooker. This is his, that's the saint we left today, St. Francis, of course. But, uh, and, and they all have a, a, a memorial, uh, and a lot of the churches around are named after the various Saints, I, you know, I came from Beaufort, South Carolina, St. Helena's. Uh, so, uh, but many of them uh, uh, are, are saints, are, are, are famous, uh, but many of them are not famous. And in that little piece I wrote in Adventure, I referred to the reading from the Apocryphal, 
proper for one of the reasons in Ecclesiasticus where it is written of the saints, <clears throat> quote, there are some of them who have a memorial who have perished. There are some of them who do not have a memorial who have perished as though they had not lived. Isn't that something that it's, it's a, almost has a dismal ring to it? They perished as if they have no, have, have, have not, didn't even live. And if you've ever been into a historic grave site, you can see some of that. I, I, again, going back to Beaufort and St. Helens, that church was established in 1722, <clears throat> and that grave is one of the most uh, historic grave site, graveyards in the country. Uh, and two Revolutionary War soldiers are buried there, so that church went through. Uh, there's a lot of history there. Uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting to read some of the tombstones there. Uh, here lies whomever, John Jones. Uh, we will never forget him. And so, and you know, kudzu growing all over it. You know, at, it, it doesn't take many generations before it, it's, it's basically gone, unless you're exceptionally famous and, and, and leave behind a great legacy. Uh, it, it's, it, the the, the uh, Ecclesiasticus has it right. There are some of them who have no memorial. They have perished as if they had not lived, but <clears throat> they have not been gotten. Their glory will not be blotted out. And he's talking about that through the lens of God. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and their memory is not blotted out. Their names will be always held precious to, uh, to our Father in heaven. <clears throat> now, some of these saints, of course, we've known, and some of them we've loved. Uh, gosh, I, I think of all the saints. That, these are the people who, uh, who are Christians that, that made an impact on their lives. They shaped the way we understand Christianity, and they've handed out the Christianity of all the saints. I think I, I know I've spoken to my grandmother many times long before I was ever converted to Christianity, sitting in her lap and having her read me Old Testament stories. But I look about the saints who have most influenced my life. I've certainly put put her up there as one that it's, uh, you can talk about all the great saints who have liturgical feasts and so forth. But I think uh, that my grandmother influenced my Christianity more than any. And, and I, uh, as I look back, I would never have seen it then. You know, and when she died, of course, I wasn't even converted to Christian. Uh, but... Uh, I'm sure she knows it now. So, uh, but so uh, uh, th- th- we've known them, and they've helped shape the Christian uh, faith in our hearts. Uh, some of these famous saints' uh, churches are named. I don't know of a church named Zacchaeus. Does anybody know of a church named Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus Episcopal Church, <clears throat> Zacchaeus Presbyterian Church, the Baptist Church of Zacchaeus. I, I go to. Go- I tried Google. Actually, I went to it. Churches named after Zacchaeus. And it, it didn't, nothing came up. So check me out. I'd love to hear it. If you can find me a church named after Zacchaeus, do it. However, Zacchaeus was famous now. Uh, I even, you know, uh, even little children know Mary Ann, even little children know Zacchaeus. Uh, if, if Mary Mars here, I would get her to sing the, 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 uh, wee, little, the wee little Zacchaeus song. You, you, you all know that song. But even little children know Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is definitely famous. And so uh, the, that's the first misunderstanding is, is all the saints are famous, like Zacchaeus. But that's a misconception because they all, some of them, their names have been blotted out. But the second misconception is that and Andrew touched on it so, so powerfully today in his sermon is that all the saints, or at least some of the saints, are, are by definition more righteous and more godly than the average guy in the, in the pew. And I think that's why above all that Zacchaeus is is the model saint. Uh, surely there's no one in the Bible that, that no, no one can ever accuse Zacchaeus as being 
righteous enough for for being made a child of God. Uh, I don't know many people in the Bible who are less righteous. Talking about before he was converted than than me or Zacchaeus. Uh, the Bible says the first place is rich. You know, we learned Zacchaeus was a rich man. We know that. Well, that doesn't exclude anybody from becoming a saint. Thanks be to God. I mean, uh, but the Bible does lift riches and wealth as, as being one of the obstacles over which uh, a rich man must come because, you know, they, they, they are the most difficult to, to see their own need, their, their own neediness, as the, as the, uh, the verse is written in, in Revelation uh, you do not know that you are, are poor and pitiable and blind. And, and he's talking to the, the wealthy church there, and one of the seven churches that was, that was wealthy. So that, that's an issue. New Yorker cartoon, I, I, I like New Yorker cartoon. There's this guy, and he's getting ready to go through the pearly gates in heaven, obviously, and he's looking at the other people in the line in front of him, and one guy's riding his camel, and before them is this big needle, and the eye of a needle right there in front of him. And he said, God, I thought it was just a metaphor. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom to get through the aisle and kneel. Of course, the next verse it says, but with God, anything is possible. So we forget that other verse. Uh, so anyway, the cartoon didn't tell me how it all came out. But the guy was, I mean, his camel was approaching the aisle and needle. I just thought, hilarious uh, there. But to make matters worse, his main issue, he was a publican. Uh, and uh, the publicans were uh, gatherers of, of the Roman taxes, and they were infamous for the abominable practice of uh, tax uh, extortion. Uh, and, and you remember me telling you, if you heard me preach a couple of Sundays ago to God, it really, I was talking about the publicans and their mismanagement of taxes and so forth, and the guy really did get me about making a political statement there. I thought I was saying Republican and uh, <clears throat> the Republicans' use of tax money. So, uh, true story. But anyway, uh, their name, uh, publicans, became so odious that we find that the Pharisees uh, uh, often reproached Jesus as being wicked simply because he hung out with harlots and tax collectors and, and sinners uh, and, and actually uh, would, do, uh, would do lunch with them. So his, his uh, conversion uh, was uh, quite remarkable. Not only, by the way, was he a publican, but he was, it says he was a chief publican. If you notice that in the reading in Luke, it says he was a... a uh, doesn't it say? I think right here in our in our, in our text, he was a chief. He was a chief tax collector. Well, he was the chief of sinners then, so that made him not only a sinner but a, a chief of a sinner. Uh, so his con- his conversion uh, is quite remarkable. Uh, it, it, this is the only time his name shows up in the scriptures, and other than other than this account, he is basically unknown. Only Luke tells this story. And wonder why he, Luke would tell this story. Why would, why would he give this story for us? Uh, for those of you who have the Bible, you can, you can look at it. Is it because it's an exhortation? You know, after, after Zacchaeus uh, comes down and he makes his connection with Jesus, then says Zacchaeus gave uh, half of his goods to the poor. And he, if he said, if I defrauded anyone, I will restore it four times. Uh, it's been lifted up a case that, that this is an exhortation to good works. Uh, the story of Zacchaeus is that so see what God did for Zacchaeus, and we should also we should also be big givers and and uh, and and do wonderful good works. But you know that's that's the reason Luke gives us that story. I think is pretty obvious, and that is to remind us of why Jesus came in the world in the first place, and that is to seek and save the lost. 
It's just a wonderful, wonderful story. Anyone ever been to Jericho? Yes, I, I, I haven't seen you. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, you guys have been to Jer- uh, Jericho. You probably is it still beautiful? Is it was it the ancient Jericho? Uh, is, is it still? I, I, I know in, in ancient. I, I saw it back in the 80s, and it didn't strike me as being as like this palace garden city. But maybe it is now the town. But I know at least in uh, uh, long before the birth of Jesus, Jericho, which is right near Bethany and and, and Jerusalem. It was a beautiful place. We're, we're told that Mark Anthony gave Jericho to Cleopatra uh, as, a, as a token of his affection. But it was rightly considered to be a little paradise with his palm trees and rose gardens. Uh, Herod the Great and his son Archelaus, you know, we meet those two, those two characters. We meet them uh, in the narrative in the Bible right around the birth of Jesus. But they made Jericho even more beautiful. Uh, but it was a grand winter palace had been built there by these guys. There was a theater there. There was a, an arena for equestrian shows. It was just uh, a beautiful, uh, gorgeous place. Some of the streets were landscaped with sycamore trees. Is that also true now? Do they still have all the sycamore trees lining the streets? Yeah, okay. So the current town is a little bit removed from it, next to it. But there are sycamore trees and palms. Okay, good deal. Yeah. Mostly what? Okay, yeah. Yeah. In the Episcopal choir was this magnificent bass. I'm getting close to you so you can get picked up. This magnificent bass black man, and he was with us on a tour. And I asked him if he would sing Joshua Fit the Battle. And he sang Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. And the wall, and he pointed to the wall. And that wall came a tumbling down. Yeah. And it was great. Get you and Mary and Mars together, and we could put together something, some of those great songs. Well, uh, in ancient uh, Jericho, and thanks for making that distinction, uh, it, it's what in, in the, it's now ruins, but. Uh, the, the old Jericho. I could add one more point. Just okay. They have dug down to the, the very foundations of their wall. And I think I remember it. At the very foundations down there, they find kind of charred ruins in places. So there may be some historical veracity to the fact that there was some cataclysm where the place was destroyed. Yes. Of course, that's the, the, that that was in uh, even the Old Testament uh, Jerusalem. So, uh, I mean Jericho, when when the, when the walls collapsed. Yeah, well, that, that's that's interesting. Uh, but we 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 know that that at the time of Jesus, in the time of this episode in which Zacchaeus, we told the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, it was a it was a just a absolute uh, garden paradise, uh, and and the streets were lined with these sycamore trees. Ficus sycamorus. Uh, from what I can find out, it was actually a fig tree, but it was a very sturdy tree, uh, and they grew to heights of 40 feet, and it had a big, thick trunk, and it had low limbs. Uh, so it was perfect uh, for climbing. One memorial, memorable day, uh, a day that St. Luke saw that we would never forget, the word got out that Jesus Nazareth was going through this this, this beautiful town passing through Jericho. 
Of course, by this time, all the reports of Jesus Nazareth were out, his unique and his powerful way of teaching, and also his miracles. A large crowd had gathered uh, and around these beautifully landscaped roadsides, and uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is curious uh, to get a glimpse of Jesus as he goes through, as he goes through uh, uh, the town. Uh, he's too short to see it, and so he climbs one of the sycamore trees. I think of the time, you know, the times that, uh, uh, just, you know, you, I can understand it. In fact, last time I was at a PGA golf tournament, I actually looked around. I said, man, there's a perfect tree because Phil Nicholson was coming through. And I said, if I climbed that tree, I could get a glimpse. And so I kind of know that sensation that I need to, to get up high. Uh, do they, have they outlawed those uh, periscopes? You can't, I used to see those all the time on television. Just an aside, huh? I don't see them anymore anyway, but Zacchaeus could have used one if they had a little periscope. Maybe he wouldn't have had to climb the tree, but he climbed the tree. Uh, and if there's anything other than curiosity that sent uh, Zacchaeus up that tree, then Luke doesn't know anything about it. Uh, and uh, although it was curiosity that sent uh, Zacchaeus up that tree, the, the real action of the story uh, is not from Zacchaeus, but from, but from Jesus. Uh, Zacchaeus went up there to... Uh, to see the Savior pass by, but Jesus didn't pass him by. You know that song? Uh, Gentle Savior, do not pass me by. While thou looking out on others, uh, do not pass me by. I understand it was written from the story of uh, Bartimaeus, but it also certainly works works here too. And, it, and Jesus looks right up, right up into his eyes and says, Come down, I must abide in your house. Can you just, can you just imagine uh, how, how Zacchaeus would have felt? I mean, like how in the world... Does this man know me? How does he know my name? It must have been a remarkable thing for Zacchaeus. Never in a million years that Zacchaeus could imagine such a thing. And Jesus says, I must abide in your house. And from which we get that great song, Abide With Me, that we sing in the hymnal so often. And, of course, the crowd murmured when they, when they, they were appalled that Jesus would... Uh, invite himself in the home of a sinner. In that culture, just like this culture, uh, to have dinner with a, a notorious sinner is to be a kind of a partner in crime. And it gave great offense to the Pharisees who saw this, and they used it as a, as a way to disparage the very character of Jesus. Uh, but, it, it, you know, if they can murmur, they can say whatever they want to. When they said, this man eats with sinners, I don't think Jesus could have wished anything better to be said of him. This story is just like a master painting uh, that depicts the very heart of why Jesus came into the world to seek and save sinners. So the good shepherd uh, had found his sheep, uh, uh, a sheep that he would later, very soon after this story, he would go to the cross and lay down his life for his sheep, including Zacchaeus. But how ironic here, the, the irony in this whole thing, here's a man who, who uh, over-collected taxes to his benefit and now he's discovered that God counsels debt. So it's just an amazing story. Uh, that's the account uh, of it, uh, of, the, of the story. Uh, it, it's dear to my heart. Uh, uh, there are a couple of things that we might note about this remarkable uh, conversion. And one is that he sought to see Jesus is the way it was written here. Curiosity is, is what sent Jesus, Zacchaeus, up that tree. You know, curiosity kills the cat. Well, curiosity... Uh, uh, saved, gave, gave Zacchaeus life. Uh, and curiosity can conceal a kind of yearning 
uh, that 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 we have uh, a yearning in, in Zacchaeus's case. There was a yearning, surely to uh, to. I'm sure he was to him. It felt like he was just wanted to glimpse this guy who was who was uh, being talked about so much. But there, there there may very well have been a deeper yearning there, as it is in the lives of a lot of people. Yearning not just to know whether God exists or not, but it's yearning to know whether God. Not only does he exist, but does God know my name? Does he really care about me? Uh, and but I don't, you know, it doesn't say. We'll never know what precipitated the curiosity in Zacchaeus, but but we, we really know what it was or, or who it was behind all of this. Theologians call it prevenient grace. Is that a is that a term you're familiar with? Prevenient grace, and that's grace going before us. Uh, the, the the things that we do, you know, like. To Zacchaeus, I know he made the decision to climb the tree, but you know God was at work is long, long before that. Prevenient graces, uh, the, the synonym for uh, prevenient might be antecedent. It's something that happens uh, that makes a condition possible, that enables a certain occurrence or result. Uh, the, the uh, theologians, the Arminians would interpret that as that prevenient grace went before Zacchaeus to allow him to make a decision whether to, whether to to, to seek to see Jesus, whereas the reformers and the Augustinian said prevenient grace was irresistible. That that it was uh, that Zacchaeus had nothing to do with this. That even even his curiosity was God inspired. Uh, and yeah, Jesus looks up to him, and you know, the question is, did, how did Jesus know his name? Well, Jesus on one hand had never seen him, but on the other hand, Jesus had known him before he was in his mother's womb. And Jesus had known him before the foundation of the world. We can't reconcile those differences, but it is. And Pavinian Grace says that the power, the cure, even the curiosity in Zacchaeus's heart was put there by God, such that he climbs up the tree uh, and not allows Zacchaeus uh, to do that. But actually, it's called irresistible grace, as you know. For those of you that have, for, that have studied the doctrine of election, irresistible grace. He climbs the tree. Uh, and 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 the rest is history, uh, and 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 Jesus looks at him and puts his hand on him, and he comes down, and behold, the tax collector, the chief tax collector, becomes a saint, becomes a child of God, he becomes uh, God's possession. Uh, and there's another point here, and that is the, the power of grace on a converted person's heart. I have often pointed to Romans chapter eight. Uh, as, as as being one of the high-level high mark, high-water marks of the gospel of grace. Romans chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and then it ends with uh, there is no separation for those in Christ Jesus. So uh, Romans is kind of, this is the, kind of the crown jewel of the gospel of grace, uh, that there is no separation and there is no condemnation. And though there are those that who who say that, you know, if, if, if all you do is preach that, there's no condemnation, nothing you can do. Andrew, there's nothing you can do to unadopt yourselves. There's nothing you can do to not becoming a saint. You are a saint, and you're adopted, and God has got you, and that's it. Uh, and say, if that's all you preach that, then what you, what you will actually, what you will uh, preach is, it, it will lead to shrinking operating budgets, that it will, yeah, it'll lead to, to spiritual complacency. It will lead to licentiousness. 
It will lead to loose living. All of this, nothing but grace. Is that? Is do, do, do you really believe that? Because I, I, I just can't. I, I think it's absurd. Saint Paul says it's absurd. Uh, he, he just says, "Oh, foolish man!" That was was the way he responded to that. Uh, but look at Zacchaeus. I mean, Zacchaeus doesn't give away all half. What, what do you say? Half of his goods? He doesn't give away half of his goods, uh, and, and and he doesn't say, "I'll restore everybody. I've everybody I've I've uh, overtaxed. I'll restore it four times." He didn't do that, and then therefore become a saint. He became a saint, and then he did it. And so this is a result uh, of 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 grace. And in the pastoral experience, in my uh, dealing with people, I have seen over and over and over again that the most transforming power on earth is being loved when you didn't deserve it. And that is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was loved when they didn't deserve it. Uh, and that that is the transforming, the most transforming power uh, on earth. And it is more powerful than threats. It's more powerful than lecture. It's more powerful than scolding. It's more powerful than uh, than anything that you can name. Uh, hmm? Well, I mean, yeah, it's more powerful than anything you can name. Punishment. Uh, you know, those things might work a while. Uh, if you threaten to punishment, punish me if I don't do this or do that, and it might work a while, but it will never transform my heart. It's, it's, what we, you know, as far as uh, being loved when you didn't know it, being the most transforming power in the world. He did. Sure, he did. Yeah. I guess could we have loved Hitler enough for him to pull back? I, I don't know. Huh? So your point? Who loved Hitler? No, I'm not, I don't. I'm not. Jesus could have. Jesus did. But I, I don't know the. I don't know. The, huh? Yeah, it's tough. I'm not sure our points are exactly the same. I, but I, but I, 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 I want to say that I know of no power greater than grace. And I, I think that the reason Luke has given us this story here is not an exhortation to, to good works, but it is a, it is a master painting and a master uh, story and depiction of why Jesus came in the world in the first place, and that is to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus is absolutely the model saint of, 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 of all the saints that I know of. Well, that's... That's uh, that's the story of Zacchaeus. I, I'm glad that I got him before we leave him, before I leave him for the last time. It'll be in three years. I think you'll get him again. But uh, of course, he's always you need Bible. You get him whenever you want to. You pick your Bible up and read Luke 19. You get him whenever you want to. So, anybody want to make any comments about anything that's been said? Uh, yes. I can't tell you how helpful one comment you made there. In my ongoing quest to understand grace, when you said that Achaeus didn't give away his goods first and then he got grace, he had he achieved grace and then he gave away his goods. I mean, that 
that, that is to me a very powerful explanation, and I thank you for it. Well, well yes, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, this reminds me of the Sidney Portier movie, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Jerry Levin. I wish I had thought of that. Jerry Levin, did you say maybe there was some veracity to the walls being brought down? Maybe. Absolute. He's he looking for absolute veracity that the walls fell down. These walls, certainly they came tumbling down one way or another. That's it. So there is, as I said, some possible connection to the scriptural story. Yeah, where yeah, history and yeah. Scripture yeah. Do yeah. You know, if I would, but you, but, you know, you're, you're right. if I were writing that story, you know, <laughs> Mr. Worldly Wise Man writing that story, then uh, he would have, Zacchaeus would have earned his sainthood by what he did, and say, ah, Zacchaeus, now you got it. Now you become my son. Now you become my child. But it, that ain't where it happened. He became his child first, and then he gave it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do, you, how, how do you explain the fact that Jesus of Nazareth would say to uh, Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus repented and so forth, and he said, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus of Nazareth has not gone to the cross and been crucified. Uh -huh. Now, there's a lot of discussion there. I would like to have some. Well, this foreshadows. This, this, this is a. He was the savior before the beginning of time. Yeah, he, he yeah, exactly. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, it, just as Abraham was saved through the cross, so all of the, all of the. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of his righteous offspring were saved through the cross and washed through the blood of the Lamb before it happened. Ishmael? Ishmael? Oh, I don't know. I, I can't. Hmm? That's his first son. Child of the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, I think to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, Spirit would, not, would not be an Ill, illegitimacy there, but but it would bother students. It's a hard teaching. Yeah, you might be like the pastor says that Mary was raped by the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways you can put it. That there are kids who <laughs> might do that. Yeah, so I won't. I, I can't. I can't. I don't know about this, but that, uh, uh, Ishmael, uh, Ishmael is a the, the religion of Ishmael and the religion of, of Jesus Christ are or two different faiths, and I, I don't want to go with with Islam right now and what they believe, and you know. The, Important for me to know what Islam what is. is yes. Why is that? Because there's so many wonderful things in it. So many wonderful things about forgiveness uh, that we don't know about. It doesn't have the one thing needful. 
And so that, that's it. I cannot tell you how many Muslims I have seen come to Christ because... Then they are saints. Once they get to Christ, they are saints. If they well, don't... You have to know who they are to, to help lead them there. The, the missionaries who come and get right in their face and say, have you been born again? Scare them to death. Hmm. That's not the way to get there. Um, I didn't mean to say you that it was. Me. You taught me. Well, praise God. <laughs> what else we got? Next week, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do some cartoons. <laughs> next week, yeah, next week I'm going to do some comic relief. <clears throat> I'm serious. I've just decided. Next week... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about this book that I've been thinking about. But next week, we're going to do some comment relief. Uh, let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. <laughs>